Do you ever get tired of the same old boring news? Do you ever wish the news was very nearly funny? I know we did. Hi, I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. And that's why we created Anchor Persons. A news podcast. For people who hate the news. By people who hate the news. Every week, we lampoon the laughable thing that journalism has become. We make up facts about your home state. We break stories on the latest in food crime. We take two completely unrelated things and figure out how they're connected. And we keep you informed on the emotional weather. Find Anchor Persons on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or a completely different podcatcher that you prefer. Will you laugh? No. But will you be informed? Also no. Anchor Persons, the only news podcast hosted by persons. Subscribe today! Fancy meeting you here. Fancy seeing you here. Good morning. That's Good. what you say to my dog. That's what I say to my dog, too. Good morning. Welcome, everybody, to the the next episode brought to you by the Letter Podcast. Get down and dirty into learning. <laughs> oh! We take your learning places that it's never been. I'm scared. Should I be a voice actor? <laughs> Uh, but hi my name's carly and that person over there is kelsey that's right we we teach you about stuff yes welcome to episode r yes not too bad the letter r i'm so excited we're recording um, in the morning it's 8 30 in the morning which rise and shine bitch is a choice <laughs> mm-hmm. it's because i didn't finish yep. my paper last night because sometimes you just can't make the deadlines, kids. When you're not in school anymore, deadlines still count, but <laughs> you have friends that... I mean, I don't know. Uh, never mind. Well, if you, <laughs> you have, have friends that are, are flexible. Flexibility is Deadline. key in today's society. Exactly. Especially with homework that we put onto ourselves. So Exactly. Exactly. So yesterday, last night, at almost 8 o'clock at night, my mom texts me, quote, Look it up. We can't do all of this work for you. Funny. And I said, haha, what? <laughs> okay, mom, And what? then she said, she said, I was listening to your podcast, Letter M. Very fun. Love hearing you two converse. It's very natural and comforting. Aw. <laughs> Lars. <laughs> She I know, but she just she just texts me, look it up, we can't do all this work for you. And this was right after, the day before, I texted her asking her about where to eat Mexican food in Kennett Square. Oh. Because, <laughs> so like, so like, we, we talked about it the day before, and then all of a sudden she texted me that, and I thought she was like, telling me to look up where to eat food which is what i ended up doing so it was just i was just confused but she listened to our pod now so oh so we have to be extra good uh-oh now that my mom's listening did i tell you my parents might move to a 55 plus community no yeah 
Oh, wow. I know. I'm like, wait, what? They're so young. But they want to. I mean, it sounds good. So. Yeah. Whatever. Guess what I'm doing today at 5 o'clock? Moving to a 55 plus community. No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting my hair chopped off. Oh, oh my gosh. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be short. I can't wait. It's going to look so good. Kelsey has probably the best color hair. Like ever. Thank you. In the whole world. Thank you. All natural too. Except for that one time we tried to dye it with Kool-Aid. Didn't go very well. Did you ever get highlights? No, I did. I ended up getting like a, the ombre situation. Like light. Yeah. I've only dyed my hair once. But that looks good too. Yeah. When ombre was a thing, that's not really a thing anymore, is it? No, I don't think so. I mean, We're it wasn't late two thousand. I would say here. it was like, what is it, balayage, balayage, oh, yeah. balayage, balayage. It was kind of like that. But, anyways, and I started parting my hair in the middle. Like mm-hmm. I'm fucking twelve years old again. Fully sending it. Do the zoomers know? Like, are they are they correct? They might be. I don't know. This is the thing, though. It's like, it's either going to look super cool, and I'm going to be like, wow, this is the new me. I just left my current job. I'm starting a new job that's fully remote, full time. So I'm like, this could be the new me, or I could look like Lord Farquaad and just, like, fucking die inside. I think I see two positives. No. New you and new Lord Farquaad. I don't want to be Lord Farquaad. (laughs) I don't want to. I'm going to be like... I'm going to be like, this is my inspiration picture, and this is what not to do. Do not make this happen. Oh, sorry. That's a picture of my my bae, Lord Farquaad. Yeah, I was like, here's all my screenshots of Lord Farquaad and all the Shrek characters. What's the song that they sing at the shine your shoes, wipe your face? Face. Please keep off of the ground, shine your shoes, wipe your face. (laughs) Classic. So good. And then soon after in Shrek is when they do the fight scene and they play, I don't give a damn about my reputation. I had that soundtrack. It was, it's a great soundtrack. It was a great soundtrack. We had like all those Disney soundtracks because we, you know, we had a big range of ages in our family. But that soundtrack was like our soccer soundtrack. Like I would listen to the all-star song before I would play soccer. I'd be like, getting pumped. Little little eight-year-old Kelsey was like, yeah, let's go. You're an all-star. I used, to have, <laughs> I used to have that soundtrack, which I loved. And then I also had the Freaky Friday soundtrack, Ugh. which was also great because it had two songs by Simple Plan on there. I didn't know that. Either one or two. But I loved Simple Plan. That was like my intro into pop punk. Oh, <laughs> Simple Plan when I was in fifth grade. <laughs> I mean, duh. Isn't that everybody's intro? Yeah, pretty much. It's funny to me because I feel like everybody in our area is, like, over masks. Like, they're like, okay, we're vaccinated, whatever, fly, fly, fly. I'm, like, still, I'm still kind of weird about it. Like, I oh, yeah. I want to wear my mask oh, yeah. everywhere. Like, I don't know. I, like, went to see my family, and we went out to dinner, and I was the only one with a mask on. And I feel bad because Kyle, like, is less worried about it than I am. But, like, since we're a household, he has to, like... yeah kind of do what i'm doing right it's just it's weird it's still weird yeah. i don't know they starting this monday this past monday they made it required that everybody at the ymca 
wear them at all times, except when doing strenuous cardio. But I've been wearing them for like two weeks prior to them like enforcing it. And Mm -hmm. I was probably the only person in the gym that was wearing it. And now everybody is. So yeah, it's like a very weird time. (laughs) Mm. It's been a weird two years. I know it. We're almost, we're at two years, actually, aren't we? August. Yeah. No. Because didn't it? Oh, wait. Oh, my God. It's not April. It's August. LOL, Carly. In March. Okay. I am ready to get started. If you are. Let's do it. Okay. Well, this week, we're going to learn about Rasputin. (gasps) Brought to you by the letter R. Whoa! The TikTok Yes! There was a man in writing down and down. He would be strong and it doesn't mean no. You know that one? I have no (laughs) idea what you're doing right now. The Rasputin song. Oh, that's what Kyle sent to me and I was like, I don't know. I know a little (laughs) bit about him. One of the things being that apparently he had a huge dick. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that. Apparently he did. How did he was? I didn't see that anywhere. I really love last podcast on the left, and I believe they told me that. Oh, (laughs) so well, I just learned something about Rasputin. Wow, ten out of ten. Yeah, wasn't the movie Anastasia kind of around the same kind of stuff that's going on a little bit? Maybe. I mean, so it was about the quote unquote lost princess of the Romanov family, which I will get into a little bit. And he was the main villain. Yes. Which I would say was probably the scariest Disney villain. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Second one was that guy from Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The the evil guy. He scared the shit out of me. I thought Jafar was really scary too. I don't know. He didn't do it for me. He didn't scare me. It was just. No, it was freaking Rasputin. Yeah, he was. The albino bat. Well. I think you're going to be surprised because, like Bloody Mary, exactly. the victors may or may not have written history, if you know what I yes. mean. Tell me. Yeah, so I will get a little bit into it. I had all of these words that I was supposed to look up the pronunciation of, and I totally forgot. So we're just going to power through, okay? Grigory Rasputin was born on January 21st, 1869 to a peasant family in a Siberian village known as Pokrovskoy. Love it. That's not Pokrovskoy. Oh, Pokrovskoy. Sounds- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. His parents had seven other children, <laughs> all of whom died in infancy oh. or early childhood. Oh, no. Yeah. I laughed because it sounded like you said, when you stuttered a little bit, it sounded like you said his parents had seven ugly children, and then I laughed, and then you're like, and they all died, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and there may have been a ninth child named Theodosia, but records are unsure if this was his sister or if this was just somebody he was close with and he was like the godfather to her children. Yeah. The records are really like sketchy. Like, we know very little about his childhood, although historians can agree on a couple of things. Like most Siberian peasants, Rasputin was not formally educated. Hmm. And remained illiterate well into, like, early adulthood. Got it. So he was in, like, the farming areas of Russia. Records suggest that he had a somewhat unruly youth, possibly involving drinking, small thefts, and disrespect for local authorities, which, like, 
Welcome to being a teenager. Exactly. In Siberia. Exactly. <laughs> so at the age of 17, he traveled to Abalak, Russia, where he met a peasant girl named Praskovya, and they married the following year in 1887. Nice. They had seven children, though only three survived to adulthood. Their names were Dmitri, Maria, and Varvara, which I didn't know he had yeah. kids huh. or was married. Yeah. Which is crazy. So when he was in his late 20s, he had a life-changing vision of the Virgin Mary and went on a religious pilgrimage to St. Nicholas Monastery. Historians believe this is where he learned to read and write. And despite his later nickname, the Mad Monk, <laughs> Rasputin never took holy orders like the other people who do that. Monks. Like the other monks. <laughs> the men at the monastery usually gave up their past lives and relationships, but Rasputin continued to see his family and support them financially throughout his life. It was uh, progressive for the time. Yes. Very progressive for the time. And he later left the monastery, claiming that monastic life was too coercive and often some monks would engage in homosexuality. When he returned to his village, he was a changed man. He, like, became a vegetarian. He had stopped drinking because he was an avid drinker. And he prayed and sang a lot, which he didn't used to do either. He spent the next several years making pilgrimages as a stronic or a holy wanderer. And he would leave his village for months or even years at a time to wander the country and visit holy sites. Which, like, as his wife, I would be like, bitch, you can have your spiritual journey right the fuck here. Exactly. So when he went to the monastery at first, she had their first child, and then she was, like, heavily pregnant with her second child. Mm. My wife brain just goes, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Throughout his travels, he captured the attention of many people with his religious fervor and charisma. And by the early 1900s, Rasputin had developed a small circle of followers which were primarily family members and other local peasants. He built a makeshift chapel in his village where groups held secret prayer meetings. But these meetings became the subject of suspicion and hostility from the village priest and other villagers. So it was rumored that female followers were washing him before each meeting and that Rasputin had joined this like kind of cult called Kleistai which was a religious sect whose ecstatic rituals were rumored to include self-flagellation and sexual orgies. Mm -hmm. But according to historian Joseph Furman, these rumors were unfounded and repeated investigations failed to establish Rasputin as a member of the sect. So Q Lizzo's so sick of rumors. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of rumors that happen in this thing. And like, mm -hmm. honestly, that soundtrack was just like, over, all over, the rumors over. are true, yeah. Except all the rumors are not true. So just, so sick of rumors. <laughs> <laughs> so he continued his travels when he arrived at St. Petersburg in 1903, where he met church leaders such as Bishop Archimandrite Theophon. What a name. Archimandrite what? Theophon. All right, Archimandrite, get over here. Archimandrite Mr. Theophon. Mr. Archimandrite Michael Theophon. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of Archimandrite Marie Theophon. <laughs> Get your ass over here. Get your ass over here. 
take out the trash. Exactly. So this bishop, Theophan, he was well connected to high society, and Rasputin's relationship with Theophan gained him entry into a lot of influential salons Mm. where the aristocrats would gather and talk about religious discussions. Mm. So during this time, a lot of alternative religious movements, such as spiritualism and theosophy, had become popular among the city's aristocrats, and many were fascinated with like the occult and the supernatural. Rasputin's ideas and strange manners, he didn't right. necessarily adhere to like the norms of the aristocrats. That made him the subject of intense curiosity among the elites who were, according to historians, bored, cynical, and seeking new experiences during mm-hmm. this period. Mm-hmm. And this is how, in 1905, Rasputin was introduced to the last czar and arena of Russia, Nicholas II, and Alexandra. Yep. So I'm going to pause there for a second, and I'll give you a little bit of background about Nicholas and Alexandra. Rewind. Are you ready? Yes. Nicholas and Alexandra first met at a wedding when he was 16 and she was 12 and had fallen in love. Mm. Isn't that adorable? A little cute. She actually denied his first proposal because she was very religious and did not want to convert to orthodoxy. But she eventually gave in and they were engaged on April 20th, 1894. Nice. Originally, Nicholas's parents were hesitant to give their blessing because... Alexandra had made a poor impression during her visits to Russia. However, they eventually gave their blessing because Nicholas's father's health was deteriorating. So Nicholas's father was the current czar of Russia. Nicholas was wildly unprepared when he seceded the throne from his father, Alexander III. Alexander III died at the age of 49, leaving 26-year-old Nicholas as emperor of Russia, which, like, totally sucks dick. Yeah. That does suck. <laughs> 26. Like, that was two years yeah. ago for me, and I'm still not ready to rule Russia. No. Yeah, and his dad, like, he was like, I have time. I don't need to train you. Like, you're fine. So he was just not prepared at all to, like, take on this role. It was He was not set up for success, we'll say. Right. In his new position. So his father's funeral took place on November 19th, 1894, and one week later, Nicholas married Alexandra, which kind of felt weird because it was like the funeral ran like right into the wedding. A bunch of people commented about like it was the same thing except Alexandra wore white instead of black. I would love for my wedding to be compared to a funeral. Yeah. Sick. Unfortunately, she was very unpopular among her husband's Russian subjects. She was shy and introverted, which was interpreted as arrogance and coldness. So she struggled to win a lot of friends. The Russian court judged her as devoid of charm, wooden, cold eyes, holds herself as if she'd swallowed a yardstick. That's a thing now, too. If you're shy, people think that you're... I think it's especially women. Yeah. People think you're, like, weird or, like, mean, but really you're just, like, afraid to talk. (laughs) Yeah. I am so, so shy and so, so quiet, and I think people have taken it as, like, an arrogance thing, and I'm like... No, no, no. I'm just, like, having a panic attack in my head. Don't worry. Like, I'm not judging you. I'm No. (laughs) Because, yeah. And also the thing is, like, everybody's thinking about themselves. Like, nobody's thinking about the other person. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So, anyways. The fact that people didn't like her was very apparent. Like, during their coronation, Alexandra rode in her own coach behind 
Nicholas and her mother-in-law, and the crowds cheered loudly for both Nicholas and the mother-in-law, but then when she was riding by, it was, like, absolute silence. Weird. Like, could you imagine a crowd of thousands and you hear a pin drop? I feel so bad. Just being like, whoa, whoa, oh, look at her. She's so weird. Yeah, it was, it was shitty. I just feel so bad for them in this in this area of the situation because they married for love. They It seemed like they truly adored each other. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate. The other part of it is she was German and there were, like, a lot of tensions with Germany and you'll see that this was around World War One, So mm-hmm. that also didn't help the situation. It's just, like... Yeah. And she also didn't speak Russian at first. So, like, she... Oh. Or I think French was one of the main languages, too. She didn't speak any of those languages. So, like, she... No shit. She's shy. Like... Yeah. She's shy. She can't speak to anybody. Screaming, right? Yeah. But from there, it seemed like kind of everything was doomed from the start. It started from here, and it just went into a big, massive explosion of terrible. For Nicholas's coronation celebration, rumors spread that there wasn't going to be enough food or drink for everybody that attended. So the crowd Mm -hmm. rushed to get, like, their share of food and drink and basically tripped and trampled other people and a lot of people suffocated oh my god yeah so out of the hundred thousand in attendance an estimated of 1400 individuals died and roughly 1300 were injured oh my god yeah so this was known as the kodinka tragedy which is terrible like that's so that's like his first day (laughs) yeah yikes yeah so that night he like wanted to go to his chambers to pray like for the people who lost their lives but that night he was supposed to go to the french ambassador's gala and his uncle was like you have to go because you're gonna upset the french ambassador or whatever so he ended up attending but what this did was this made the general public that was like heavily mourning see nicholas as like a frivolous and uncaring ruler which gave him the name nicholas the bloody great sound a little familiar bloody mary And I'm not going to say, like, this guy is totally innocent. I mean, we contain multitudes, as we say. That's right. But I just think it it just gets worse. Yeah. So buckle up. Okay. <laughs> so additionally, at this time, Russia and the Empire of Japan were clashing over Russia's expansion into the Far East, which conflicted with, like, Japan's territory ambitions. Mm-hmm. So Nicholas saw the war as, like, an easy, God-given victory that would raise... Russian morale, and patriotism, but he ignored the financial repercussions of a long-distance war and, like, the constant military disasters that ended up happening. Mm -hmm. So, then, in January of 1905, the unarmed working class marched peacefully to protest abusive working conditions that were taking place, a.k.a. long hours, low wages, lack of safety precautions, and, like, you know, the people who they were working for were, like, heavily abusive. They ended up getting fired on by the Imperial Guard as they marched onto the Winter Palace to present a petition to the Tsar. And so the event is also known as Bloody Sunday. Oh, jeez. And is considered technically the start of the Revolution of 1905 in Russia. Oh, wow. Over 100 people were killed and many more injured. And on top of all of this, Nicholas believed that God 
chose him to be the czar. Like, this goes back to, like, the traditional monarchy view of, like, it's a God-given right to, to rule. He thought that his decisions reflected the will of God and could not be disputed. This created a lot of issues, especially with, you know, the changing in governments, like, people's mindset changing a little bit. And he, he was convinced that, like, the people of Russia understood this. He, he thought they were a simple people, truthfully. It's rude. They thought that he understood this perspective and that they loved him. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very old-fashioned belief, and he would reject any constitutional limitations on his power. So he's really resisting the change of the times, and it just gets worse. <laughs> so the last, like, additional shittiness, just to top it all off, Alexandra had four girls in a row, which... Oh, Your main yeah. job as the, oh, uh, yeah, is to have the boys, which, <sighs> so anyways, she had four girls in a row, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia, and man, were people fucking dicks about it. The first daughter, people were like, Ugh, Olga, Olga, <laughs> Alexandra and Nicholas like loved her. They doted on her. They were like obsessed with her 10 out of 10, right? The second daughter, Alexandra awoke from her chloroform-induced birth, by the way. Oh, God. They just chloroformed you, and you had your baby, and then... Jeez. Excuse me? What? Anyways, she woke up, she saw anxious and troubled faces around her, and then she burst out in loud hysterics. And she was like, my God, is it again a daughter? What will the nation say? What will the nation say? Which is like... (sighs) It just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Of their third daughter, Maria, the Grand Duke Constantin remarked, and so there's no heir, the whole of Russia will be disappointed by this news. And Russians saw the birth of the third daughter as proof that Alexandra was bad luck. And then on the fourth birth, Grand Duchess Zina exclaimed, my God, what a disappointment, a fourth girl. And a French diplomat reported, The German Alexandra has the evil eye. Thanks to her nefarious influence, our government is doomed to catastrophe. And the Russian peasants decided that the Empress was not beloved in heaven or she would have had a son. All right. Yikes, 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 yikes. So many yikes. So many yikes. It sucks. I hope that they, like, were, like, loved all their kids, though. I think they did. Okay. (laughs) I know Alexandra and Olga kind of like had a little bit of butting heads, but I think it's because Olga was always asked to like make sure she was taking care of her siblings and like Mm -hmm. setting a good example and like all the first... Oldest sister things. All all the firstborn bullshit. We know. So then finally she had a boy named Alexei to inherit the throne from his father. However, he had hemophilia B... Which is a hereditary disease that prevents blood from clotting properly, causing excessive mm. bleeding after any injury. Eee. So at this time, it was untreatable and usually led to an untimely death because you would bleed out. You would get a paper cut and die from yeah. it. Yep. Nicholas's sister Xenia said that hemophilia was a terrible disease of the English family and members of the imperial family blamed Alexandra for contaminating the Romanovs with the disease of her own race. She could not catch a break. And then also pump out five kids like, no problem, let me just keep having kids. Until let I me just boy, like, do it. Yeah. Owie. Sounds similar to a schmuddy schmary, or as we like to call her on our podcast, Mary. Yeah, it just seemed like Not good. There's nothing really to say about it. It just kind of sucks. Like, people are super racist. People are super assholes. 
Yeah. It's always the woman's fault. What's new? Anyways. So because of the fragility of the autocracy, aka like the monarchy Mm -hmm. at the time, Nicholas and Alexandra chose to keep Alexei's condition a secret. At first, Alexandra turned to the Russian doctors to help with the condition. However, their treatments failed. So Alexandra began turning to mystics and holy men. Cue Rasputin in his house. (laughs) So now we're in... 1905. So Rasputin tended to Alexei when he was injured by calming him down and relieving Alexandra's anxieties. He had a calming presence, and by calming Alexei and his mother, the boy's blood pressure would go down, and the bleeding would eventually stop. But to, like, nice doctors from a medical perspective, this looked like a miracle had occurred, because he essentially, like, just calmed him down, and, like, he stopped pumping blood is fast and that's like literally what happened you know yeah there's a lot of accounts of Rasputin having like a calming effect on people and he seems very intuitive like he mm. he seems like empathic in a way or something like he could just right, kind of right. see he can see like a person what a person's worrying about and like kind of address that so that was another reason that Alexandra was drawn to him and like why high society was drawn to him as well so in addition to that there are also a couple of factors that could have contributed to Rasputin's influence on helping the boy as well. He suggested not to let doctors disturb Alexei, which aided his recovery by allowing him to rest and heal. Huh. (laughs) There are also also other accounts that claim that Rasputin stopped Alexei's bleeding through hypnosis, and Rasputin also kept his bleeding down by disallowing the administration of aspirin, which back then was widely used to relieve pain, but as we know now, right. it is an anti-clotting right. agent, so it would just make How his blood run more. How do know this shit, though? I think... That's crazy. I don't think he, like, knew that aspirin thinned yeah. the blood. He was just a lot more, like, natural. Yeah, like, a lot of homeopathic stuff, probably. It almost seemed like he just provided this, like, meditation, like, calm, serene space for the kids so whenever he was injured he like actually got a chance to rest and got a chance to like not be bothered and uh that was like what the kid needed instead of people like doting on him all the time dressing him out and alexandra i I feel bad saying this but like she was so stressed and worried about alexei all the time because this was like the sole heir to the throne right right she was i think a little bit stressful to have as a mom to be stressed about yeah 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 you know, it doesn't help, which I don't blame her. Right. That would be so stressful. I can't even imagine. So don't blame her. I'm just saying that was probably a factor. Right. Yeah. So in her eyes, Rasputin had performed a miracle and she concluded that he was essential for Alexei's survival. Rasputin, I think, was good natured, but he did take advantage of her fears a little bit and said that neither the emperor nor you can do without me. If I'm not there to protect you, you will lose your son within six months. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he saw that bag and he went for it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm going to skip ahead a second. But, like, he's not the worst person. I don't think he was, like, the best person. But, like, I think Mm -hmm. he was a person. I don't think he was this huge villain. I think he was, like, any other human who's easily influenced by power and status. Uh Uh-huh. And that green. 
And that green. Money. That good, good. (laughs) And he was also, like, this is the thing. He was in St. Petersburg, and, like, his family was back in his old village. So, like, he was was truly out there on his own. At first, he was coming back more often, and then, like, the royal family wanted him to stay longer and longer because when he left, they were afraid that something would happen to Alexei. So I can see how it would happen. I'm not surprised that any of this happened. The royal family's belief in Rasputin's healing powers brought him considerable status and power. He used this position to full effect, accepting bribes and sexual favors from admirers. That's where I'm getting into the big dick thing. I I did not know about the big dick thing. I'm very interested. Uh, no, I'm not very interested. That's not what I mean. I would love to learn more. Wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, he doesn't seem like my type. He's a little too scraggly for me. Mm-hmm. Just a personal, personal opinion. Alexandra was just blind to the fact that his presence had a harm on their status or their prestige. Right. As his influence continued to grow within the royal family, suspicion among the public spread. And what the public thought they knew about Rasputin had a greater impact on his reputation than his actual views or activities. I just searched it real quick on Google. I typed... Rasputin big and it the next thing that came up was hands you know what they say about big hands <laughs> exactly that's what I'm saying <laughs> I would love if that's actually the rumor because because of his well, big hands well hold on a second can I read something sure that I pulled up real quick it's from time the article is called five myths and truths about Rasputin he was a sexual deviant and the queen's lover. Tales of Rasputin's sexual exploits began to spread early in his time with the royal court as his eccentric yeah. behavior, like drinking heavily and visiting brothels, was seen to clash with his religious piety. According to some historians who believe Rasputin may have been a member of, or at least influenced by, the Kyleist religious sect, which you've talked about, such sinful behavior brought him closer to God. However, Though he did frequently entertain in salons, there is no evidence to suggest Rasputin was a sex-crazed maniac who had a secret affair with Russia's queen. Much like the rest of his life, his behavior in this realm has been exaggerated and embellished in attempts to propagandize his life. So, who knows? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just talking about a rumor. About his big wiener. <laughs> it might be a rumor. Honestly, so... Right. The stuff I was reading about hints that there may have been some sexual exploits, but not to a degree that, like, would be different from any other regular cheating guy at the right. time. Like, I don't know. Like, he... Right. Powerful dude. Not right. not like a sex... Like, right. Not like a sex-crazed maniac. And, like, honestly, the other thing I read was, like, his wife kind of, like, knew about it, and he, she was just like, there's enough of him to go around. That's literally what she said. Yeah. Like, it was something like that. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like, whatever, whatever, man. Like, (laughs) if you're good with it, I'm good with it. So anyways. Getting back on track. Like I said, what the public thought they knew had a greater impact on his reputation than what they, what he actually did or any of his views. Mm -hmm. He was accused by his enemies of religious heresy and rape. He was suspected of exerting undue political influence over the czar. And he was also rumored to have an affair with Alexandra. Alexandra really denies all of this. She said that her and her husband talked about everything and were very open with each other about everything. And Rasputin was completely like a holy man. That was their relationship to him. He was mainly there to just be there for the son. Right. Russia at the time. Tensions are growing a lot. Opposition to the church is growing around Rasputin's actions and influences. 
Rumors are multiplying about Rasputin assaulting female followers and behaving inappropriately on visits with the royal family, in particular with the Tsar's daughter, Olga and Tatiana. And then World War I comes around. The war pitted the Russian Empire of the Romanov dynasty against the German Empire of the Hohenzollern dynasty. Mm-hmm. And to continue Alexandra's terrible luck, the fact that she was German made her even more unpopular in Russia. Ironically, she was a dedicated Russian patriot and disliked the German Empire. She privately wrote that the German emperor is nothing but a clown. Oh, wow. He has no real worth. His only virtues are his strict morals and his conjugal fidelity. Like, ouchie. (laughs) I love when people slam each other (laughs) in the olden days. It just warms my soul for some reason. Maybe I'm just like a... It's the... It's the ancient yeah, tea. Exactly. His only virtues are his strict morals and his conjugal fidelity. <laughs> it's like, yes, use big words on me and insult him. Drag yes. him. <laughs> um, she even, okay, this, this is not, she worked as a nurse to like help wounded soldiers, but like nobody gave a shit. She's like, why even try? In 1915 now, Nicholas traveled to the front lines to take personal command of the army which left Alexandra in St. Petersburg as regent. You'll never guess, she was also ill-equipped to run the country, just like Nicholas was. Nobody was prepared. So Alexandra did rely on Rasputin for advice. He had become really close to the family, and she had given him like some kind of random responsibilities in the government, which is, again, why I think people disliked him a lot because he was just like a peasant from nowhere who gained the trust of the royals like everybody hated him they're just jealous they're just jealous basically in only 16 months while nicholas was away alexandra had fired and appointed 12 new ministers in their government at rasputin's advice which was a little self-serving so Mm -hmm. again another notch on why nobody was freaking happy right she insisted that Rasputin had Russia's best interests at heart. She even wrote to her husband that it is not for nothing God sent him to us, only we must pay more attention to what he says. His words are not lightly spoken, and the importance of having not only his prayers, but his advice is great. And she wasn't all that wrong, actually. 15 million men in Russia were diverted from agricultural production to go fight in the war. And then the transportation infrastructure in the country was diverted towards war usage also, which exacerbated food shortages. Inflation was out of control. It was like up 300% or something like that. Mm. This combined with the food shortages and the poor performance of the Russian military at war generated a great deal of anger and unrest among the Russian people. So it was a complete nightmare. But Rasputin being from a humble lifestyle... Mm. He immediately recognized that all these problems were happening. He was genuinely stricken to learn that corn was rotting in imperial warehouses while the people starved. And he wrote Nicholas begging for him to increase food supplies. He also tried to get Alexandra to distribute food into the streets to show her sympathy to other people's pain, but that never happened. Yet nobody really knew or cared about Rasputin's attempts. I think his rep was too far gone at this point. Right. And also, it might have just been like, a, right. he didn't publicize that. Like, he just wrote to the Tsar and Tsarina, hoping that they would do something, and then they didn't. So the Tsar's mom, Nicholas's mom, was even involved in planning a coup to pose her son from the throne. What? 
Yeah. And put Alexi in power. Like, that's how bad of a job Nicholas was doing. Jesus. She was like, you suck, son. Get the fuck (laughs) out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And reportedly, when his mother gave him that ultimatum, he ordered his mother to leave the capital, and she, like, never returned. Wow. It's like, ouchie. We like to talk with our ancient history about some family drama a lot, I feel. Dude. Probably more dramatic back then than any kind of drama. Well, I don't know. I mean, but. being a king and your mom being like, you need to get the fuck out of here, that's pretty dramatic. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic. It's, like, yeah. dramatic when your mom, like, tells you you can't be the head person at the family reunion committee, like, let alone being, like, a fucking <laughs> ruler yeah. of a huge country. She's like, no, you suck. Get out of here. Get out. A politician at the time stated that the Tsar's ministers had been turned into marionettes whose threads had been taken firmly in hand by Rasputin and the Empress Alexandra, the evil genius of Russia and the Tsarina, who has remained a German on the Russian throne and alien to the country and its people. I roll. Okay. Yikes, 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 People are just such assholes. I feel, I feel bad. But, but also at the same time, like, they weren't doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> but I still feel bad. Right. But they still weren't doing a good job. I don't know. Right. Multitudes. Multitudes. Exactly. So things were looking pretty bad. While I'm sure that, like, people knew Rasputin wasn't, like, solely responsible for all of their hardships... I feel like he was a scapegoat for a lot of people on a lot of Mm -hmm. these issues, even though he was trying to help. Let's talk about the early hours of December 30th, 1916, when Rasputin was murdered. Okay. Okay. He was invited to the Moika Palace by Prince Felix, who was married to the Tsar's niece, actually. So this was like a very close relation to the Tsar. His co-conspirators were Grand Duke Dmitry Palvovich and right-wing politician Vladimir Parishkevich. Names. <laughs> good thing they all. Good thing they all end in vich or pav. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next set of details are very unknown. The events that took place, according to the prince and his co-conspirators are the following. Felix offered Rasputin tea and cakes, which had been laced with cyanide. Oh, shit. Rasputin ate them and appeared unaffected by the poison. Oh, shit. Rasputin then asked for some wine, which had also been poisoned, and drank three glasses, still showing no signs of distress. Ah, uh, the poison. Rasputin's poison. The poison for Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. And so at 2.30, Prince Felix was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Carry on conversation, like, waiting for him to die, probably like, come on, let's go. Oh my god. So, yeah, at 2.30 a.m., he excused himself to go upstairs where his fellow conspirators were waiting. He grabbed a revolver, returned to the basement, and told Rasputin that he'd better look at the crucifix and say a prayer, and then shot him in the chest. Oh, shit. They went to Rasputin's apartment with one of the accomplices wearing Rasputin's coat and hat to make it look like Rasputin had returned home that night. Mm-hmm. They then returned to Moika Palace and went back into the basement to ensure that Rasputin was dead. Suddenly, Rasputin leapt up and attacked Felix, who freed himself Can't die. and fled upstairs. Yes. Rasputin followed and made it into the palace's courtyard before being shot and collapsing into a snowbank. 
The conspirators then wrapped his body in cloth, drove it to the Petrovsky Bridge, and dropped it in the Malaya Nevka River. Shit. So, this has long been the accepted truth. But, uh oh. I'm going to bring you back to the scene of the crime for a second. Oh my god! <laughs> we are a true crime podcast! We are. <laughs> so, the killers claim they offered Rasputin tea, cakes, and wine that had been laced with cyanide, and he consumed all of them, and he wasn't affected by them. And then they claim that he was shot and miraculously didn't die okay. that first time. I'm going to read you a quote from Felix's, Prince Felix, the head guy who's the Tsar niece's husband. I'm going to read you an excerpt from his memoir. This devil who was dying of poison, who had a bullet in his heart, must have been raised from the dead by the powers of evil. There was something appalling and monstrous in his diabolical refusal to die. So, the odd thing about... (laughs) Yeah, a little dramatic. The weird thing about this whole story is that, according to Rasputin's daughter, he did not like sweets at all. He preferred, like, very plain flavors from home, like fish soup, dark bread, radishes, onions, like, very, like, cold winter. Rustic. rustic. He was more of, like, a, yeah, he was more of, like, a rustic, like, Americana kind of guy. That's what what (laughs) all of the uh, cooking shows say when something's, like, ugly. They're like, wow, it's really rustic (laughs) with like a fish head in it yeah that's what it is he's into like that kind of stuff and the autopsy reports do not mention poison or drowning but instead conclude that he was shot in the head at close range as his cause of death shit so it appears that through prince felix he transformed this murder this cold-blooded murder, into this epic struggle of good versus evil. Yeah. Therefore, cementing Rasputin's infamous reputation as the devil-like puppet master of the Tsar and Tsarina. And this could explain his, like, vilified characterization throughout history has taken place. It's a lot more of a story about, like, the devil and, like, all this stuff if he's, like, constantly not dying. Like, that gives him, like, this supernatural, crazy status he's like this terrible evil devil when the truth is and what most likely happened is that he was just shot in the face (laughs) like there may have been there may have been something in there they may have had some wine or something but truthfully they just murdered him because they they kept wanting him to stop influencing the zarin's arena and that's what they did they should just be honest about that just be like yep we just killed him Because, like, we fucking hate him. That's what happens when you're an art kid from the country. And you go into the castle and you try to be all... (laughs) Try to be like the rest of them? Talking about calming down. (laughs) I don't know about that. How how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? I don't think that Rasputin was, like, this devil person. He seemed well-intentioned at some points. He just seemed like a human... Yeah. Who was into God and stuff. And different from everybody in the ruling class. So therefore, he was a weirdo. Yeah. It's shitty. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like where Rasputin's story ends. Are you interested in hearing about the Romanovs? Are you good? Yes. Okay, great. Bonus content. So, P.S. Not a happy ending. Not the long last Anastasia falling in love with, like, 
the hot animated Dimitri. Yeah. Hashtag unrealistic Disney expectations. So exactly. Over it. On March 12th of 1917, this is about three months after Rasputin's death, soldiers have been sent to suppress the rioting crowds that flooded St. Petersburg because of all the previous reasons we talked about. Like, Right. Civil unrest, shit was going on, they weren't doing no a good food. job, war, no food, no. It, it doesn't get better. No. It gets worse. So, the soldiers that were sent there to take care of the riding crowds, mutinied, turned around and shot their officers, and joined the <gasps> rebellion. Thus, providing the spark to ignite Whoa. the revolution! Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. So, the soldiers and the workers set up the Petrograd Soviet of 2,500 elected deputies and informed the czar that he must abdicate the throne, which means you renounce your your throne. Right. Your your title. Alexandra and her children were put under house arrest, essentially, in the home of St. Petersburg, and Nicholas joined them a couple days after, after some failed attempts to try to get into the city because it was, like, riots everywhere. They essentially asked the what's called the Duma to like protect them or whatever and i i did not look up who the duma is so like sorry they asked the people to like protect them and Mm -hmm. what started to happen was the guards would eventually all start wearing these handkerchiefs around their arms which symbolized that they were in support of the duma so they like essentially went from thinking that they were protected by all these people who were in support of them to like seeing that they were slowly turning over. Like, they were protecting them, but they were against them. So that's why they became under house arrest, which is, like, a creepy thing if you think about it. Like, you're just, like, in your huge mansion with a million. Well, I do wonder about that a lot, actually, in the U.S. Like, do the Secret Service people, like, love the president enough to protect them and, like, take a bullet for them? (laughs) I mean, that's their their sole (laughs) job. So they have... I I know, but... Right. I've thought that before, you know what I mean? Are you talking about any president in particular, Carly? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) No. Yeah, so, you know what I mean, though? Like, I have thought that. Like, what do you do if you're... That's your job. That's your sole job to protect this person, but you fucking hate them. I think you literally have to do it. It's your sole job. Also, though, this type of uprising is a little bit different. You know, like, we we haven't gotten there yet. Hope we'll never get there. But the complete upheaval of a system that has been in place for many, many years, I can't even imagine, and I hope I never have to experience, but, like, that is... It's, I mean, it's anarchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's complete chaos, right? Right. It's weird because once Nicholas abdicated the throne and did the same for Alexei, the palace guards and people just started leaving because they had right. no reason to be there. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. So they were under house arrest for a little bit. The provincial government is in place. And then there's the other group, the Bolsheviks. The provincial government was under the threat of the Bolsheviks and same with the royal family. So they wanted to move Nicholas and the family out of the country because for their safety. But apparently no foreign state was willing to receive the family and they were forced to relocate within Russia as the security situation became more and more difficult. Yeah. Actually, George V, who was the first cousin of both Nicholas and Alexandra, I don't know, I don't want to think about it anymore, refused to allow (laughs) them and their family permission to evacuate to the United Kingdom because... He was alarmed by their unpopularity in his country and the potential repercussions that it would have on his own throne. Sure. 
Yeah. So, like, literally everybody turned their back on them. Yeah. Also, this is a weird side note. George V and Nicholas are cousins, but they look exactly the same. Like, look them up. They look like twins. Huh. Twins. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know what? We'll post a picture on our Instagram. In November of 1917, the provincial government fell to the Bolsheviks, and the situation only worsened for the Romanovs. They were moved to what is called the Empative House on April 30th, 1918. And then on July 17th, 1918, they were executed by firing squad and bayonets. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not going to go any deeper than that. I'm going to save you the trauma of that one. But for the longest time, we didn't know what happened to their bodies. Nobody knew what happened to them. So in the early 1990s, the bodies of the majority of the Romanov family were located, exhumed, and formally identified. There were two bodies missing, Anastasia's and Alexei's, which became where that whole Anastasia rumor came about. Yeah, There were a lot of people claiming to be Anastasia for a long time. And I don't think they ever found out why they were buried in a separate place than their family. But on January 22nd, 2008, genetic analysis revealed that two bodies found were Anastasia and Alexei. And in 1981, Alexandra and her immediate family were recognized as martyrs by the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia. And in 2000, Alexandra was canonized as a saint and a passion bearer wow. by the Roman Orthodox Church, together with her husband, Nicholas II, and their children. Wow. Phew. That's all, folks. That's a, that's that's some stuff right there, man. Good job. <laughs> Not gonna lie, had a little bit of nightmares about it, because even though I, like, knew Rasputin wasn't as scary and evil as he <laughs> appeared to be, the animated version of him still sticks with me so to this day. So scary. The fucking gates of hell opening up. Like, it is horrible. Maybe that's why I hated animation so much, because it was just so scary. I'm trying to think of, like, other movies. I was just talking about this, but, like, certain animated villains, like, they make so scary, some of them, Mm -hmm. when you're a kid. Even, like, The Wizard of Oz. Like, that's an old-timey. That's not even animated. Like, parts of that are so scary, you know? I know. I know. Have you seen the animated Hobbit? No. That shit is horrifying. My dad oh, showed sure. me that when I was, like, way too young. That was, like, an 80s or 90s thing, right? Yeah, never again. It's, like, a bunch yeah. of goblins jumping around in a forest. Yeah. It's horrible. I still have nightmares <laughs> about it. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so Rasputin misunderstood, perhaps? Human, period. Human, exactly. Rasputin. It's, like, one of the graphics. Rasputin. Evil crossed out. Devil crossed out. Something else crossed out. Human. Yeah. Period. (laughs) I mean, it's true. I mean, like, he, you know, he was a person. He had a family. He made mistakes, I'm sure. But he also did advocate for the Romanovs fucking taking care of their people. (laughs) And they just didn't. Yeah. It's it's shitty because, like, maybe it could have been prevented at some point. But all of these factors just kept getting worse. And, like, the other thing was... Nicholas II did not want his position. He just wanted to be with his family. And, like, while that is... It is very admirable and, like, obviously, like, duh, that's so sweet. But at the same time, like, okay, but that's not your reality. So, like, let's get it together for a second, Nicholas, and let's fucking fix this country, and then you can get back to your family. But it didn't go that way for many reasons. So his ignorance kind of got the best of him, too. Would be interesting to hear throughout history of, like, 
monarchies and stuff. Has there ever been a good king? I think so. We just don't hear about them because they're not. Besides good king Wenceslas from the Christmas song. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I don't know. There's some like Christmas song that I learned how to play on the piano. That's like, good king Wenceslas looked out of the fields of Stephen when the snow oh, came. That song? <laughs> that's um from Love Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you oh. know? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 yes. When yes, they yes. go around caroling because they are trying Stephen to find the girl. Even brightly shone the moon that... I, I don't know why I know that song. So <laughs> maybe, good, maybe King Wenceslas was good. Hence the song, but... Perhaps. I think it's just they get less notoriety. Just like the news today, it's like, there's only one place that you can get good news, basically, and then all the rest is shit. Same with rulers. (laughs) Yeah, but like... All the rumors are true, yeah. Anyways. I fucked him and you, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it hurts so much. Life life hurts life hurts but also i loved anastasia as a kid like i was obsessed we never went to russia but like your mom did my mom did yes she showed me all the pictures oh that's right she did show you all the pictures (laughs) yes so like anastasia holds a special place in my heart i had a poly pocket that i carried around with me all the time that was anastasia themed pretty sure i still have it have the music box where i put a little charm necklace into it still have it that's it that's the horrible story great job that's why we're here we learn horrible stories of history, and we tell them to you, and then you remember them. I just think we should be honest about what actually happened. Yeah. And be honest about the stuff we don't know. Agreed. Because I think it's true. Like, there's no proof of him being, like, very highly sexual with people, but there's also not proof that he wasn't. So, like, maybe. I feel like it's the same with, like, Alexander Hamilton or, like, you know, it's it's whoever the victor is writes the story, right? It's whoever mm-hmm. writes the narrative. Who yeah, lives, Alex- who dies, who tells your story? <laughs> Alexander Hamilton was a dick, though. Was he? Or did he have a big dick? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay. Let's stop talking about Should we just history. talk about his historical dicks? No, uh, we've already <laughs> done that. We already did that. <laughs> all right fam thanks for listening yep check back in for next week we're doing ass we're doing ass you say yes yes we're doing s as in snakes who tells saliva story yep um (laughs) thanks for listening give us a follow if you'd like not if you like give us a follow if you listen do it give us a follow because do it we're um we're coming up close to the end of the alphabet and yes. we're gonna take a short summer vacay we'll say and then we're gonna be yes. back but we would love to get some suggestions in and some ideas we'd like to hear what you like and don't yes. like so we can make it better for you in the next round definitely definitely so hit us up that. and and like and sub- rate review subscribe like follow download etc. <laughs> download anything you can All do do it do it Yes, but we're at By the Letter Pod yes. uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And we are at By the Letter Pod at gmail.com for suggestions um, and the like. That's right. <laughs> All right, fam. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. fam. Love ya. Be a nice boy like Rasputin. I don't know. No, <laughs> no don't. You'll get killed. No.
<laughs> you get killed. Watch you back. Just make sure you write history. How about that? No. Oh, that's about you too. write your history. Write your story. Wink. Bye. Goodbye.